Get everything for your next roofing project at Menards. Your roof is the first line of defense against the elements. Owens Corning Shingles are designed to offer long-lasting performance while providing ultimate protection. They have a limited lifetime warranty and up to a 130-mile-per-hour wind warranty. Choose from over 40 options designed to protect your home for years to come. Save big on Shingles at Menards. And don't forget to check out our weekly ad on Menards.com. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Schmodown Rundown. Introducing first, Frankie Stepjanic. And the host of the Schmodown Rundown, Brad Gilmore. What's up, Movie Tree Schmodown fans? Welcome to the Schmodown The official episode of the Movie Trivia Showdown. My name is Brad Kimmerich. You might know me by another name. You might know me as The Boat. Oh my God, you're my dream boat, for sure. And I'm joined. Oh man, is it good to see this man's face. He's looking fine. He's looking good. Some people might say he's looking sexy. It is, whoa, 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 West Coast Frank. <laughs> sexy numbers from a sexy player. Love those numbers. Sexy numbers. I love those numbers. I'm Thank feeling you. really good about those. Oh, I'm feeling those numbers. Oh, yeah. We're feeling it today, Brad. We're feeling it today and every day. Hey, yeah, you, you like, you're very proud of yourself, aren't you? Look, it was a, it was a great idea from a, a, a listener, a viewer, uh, Sarah, and I sent you that screenshot of like that comment. We're like, yeah, that's got to happen. That that has to happen. So I had some time on my hands this week. I had some time. You had some time, and, and you made it work. It's fine. I can't be the only one who has the cool stuff. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Cool guy over there. Anyway, Frank Janish, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I can't be the only one with the really cool intro. I know that, that you have one now, and it's Roxy Stryer's voice, which, you know, I'm always team rock stars. So I, I'm pretty much down for that. And he, while we're here at the top of the show... I want to shout out somebody else. I want to shout out the spider, Robert Parker. Robert Parker sent me this, right? Um, he sent me – no, no, no. It's, it's, it's nothing that I'm going to reveal. He just sent me a bunch of movie posters, right, oh, wow. that I want, I want to like, kind of decorate the studio with, give it more of that movie trivia schmodown vibe, right? I only have a Back to the Future poster <laughs> right. and then a, then a fake Back to the Future poster. So I need some real ones. I think I got like Lego Batman in here. Star Star Wars, Star Wars Rogue One. I got some good action from the Spider. You know what I mean? Oh, pause on that. But I got some good stuff <laughs> from the Spider, yeah. and uh, I'm excited about uh, it. So okay, I want to show. This literally came right before happen. we started. So I don't know. See, there's several. There's several. And oh, it, can that I? One? Hold on. That, that was, was the Lego Batman. Oh, Lego Batman. Okay. So and I will tell you this. I also bought a poster 
offline from from my room, and it was Selena, the Selena 1997 oh. J Lo poster. Very good. Anything wow. for Selena's, you know what I mean? Oh, Selena's. Anything for Selena's. Man. Anyway, man, how are you? We had four incredible matches this week. Um, we also, we, I mean, I just feel like Schmodown's been nonstop. We had a big announcement of a 18-person free-for-all going down, the horror free-for-all at the Skybound Expo that has no E in it, like the Montreal, the former Montreal professional baseball team. It is an XPO. It's an expo. It's going to be a horror free-for-all. We were kind of deprived of the free-for-all this year, and now we got one. Yeah, and it's in lieu of, of you know, horror. Horror. We had a horror exhibition match, but a horror free-for-all, though, is much more interesting because the details on that are 18 competitors, two from each faction. The winner is awarded three points for their faction. So that's a big deal. And when you look at these factions, you go up and down the rosters, uh, there, there are some players on these on these factions that are well-versed in, in horror, uh, horror thriller. I mean, you look at obviously Mark Riley, Bibiani. There's Perry Nemiroff and Haley Fouch. I mean, what is the Mercs going to do? Who are they going to enter? I mean, they got an embarrassment of riches over there. I think you look at um, corruption. I think Chance would probably be pretty well. Adam Collins, who, who we're definitely going to talk about this episode, looks like he would be pretty good just given his run right now. And uh, what about like, what about for the exchange? What do we think? Are we thinking Barbarian maybe? Barbarian, I can see. Well, Riley from Bar- oh yeah, he's on the exchange. That's right. I yeah, forgot. Yeah, yeah. We barely talk about Riley th- these days, you know. So it's like easy to forget about him. No, no, no. Um, he's playing great so far this year already, uh, at least in the tournament right now. But yeah, I think he would be a good bet from the exchange. I think you look at the rock stars like Andreco. Probably, I wouldn't be surprised if Snyder was in the damn thing because he just he loves a good ruckus time. So uh, and, he, and and to put him. In that expo audience would be would be you know what, on second thought I don't know if we have that kind of liability so was it um oh what was his name for on the wizards what's his name uh, Arenas Gilbert Arenas wasn't he Agent Zero yeah Agent Zero, Agent so, Zero I, yeah I like Chaos Agent more yeah. um but yeah so th- that's gonna be going down like we said in October I think October is it thirtieth that that's happening. It's in October. I I know that. I think it might be October thirtieth, or I might have made that up. I can't remember, but I know it's in October. So make sure y'all go the check that on out. The screen probably is telling you the correct date. Look at that. Now. It's right there. See, see, you don't even. I, I was so good. I put the graphic right there for you to see. So <laughs> yeah. um, yes, you did. <laughs> speaking of that, before we get into matches, teams brackets. We saw them. Yeah. Uh, on Thursday, Jen and I debuted them on our show coming up next. And um, I think it's a really interesting bracket. Who do you think has the easiest path to glory here? The easiest path—that's because that's, it's a—it's an eight-person. Well, it's nine, but you know, it's eighteen tournament. Yeah. So it goes pretty quick. We're essentially in the you know quarterfinals right when we start off, right? Um, yeah. So, so all right, let's pop up the graphic right here. Boom. Uh, tournament starting November second. Easiest path? Ah, oh, man. I, I guess you could say the odd couple. To tell you the truth, because they're because they're looking at potentially facing. Well, they're they are going to face a rookie team in Brandon Hanna and Jada Paramo, Category Nine, which is one of my more favorite team names. Then 
there's a possibility that they could face deception, which is another great name. That's Adam Collins and Marisol McKee for corruption. But they have to face the lethal weapons of Ethan Irwin and Andrew Guy, who's a new pairing, but not they're not so that's a rookie ish team right there, even though they're veterans. So the odd couple is the only veteran team on that side of the bracket, which could be advantageous when you're going up against brand new teams, formed brand new teams there who have never played together on an online setting. I think that probably gives them the edge more so than the other side of the bracket where our founding fathers, obviously veteran team final exam has played a handful of games. Um, the witching power, while they haven't played a game online together, Haley Fausch and Perry Nemirov, obviously they do a podcast together. They work together, have a new, have a great rapport with each other. So while it is a rookie formation of a team, I don't think they would suffer as many setbacks, let's say Category 9, or even Deception for that matter. And then Misfits with Adam Collins and Eric Zipper. These guys have wanted to team up since they were dra- since draft day. I remember they were talking about it. So they'll be a well-formed team with some good chemistry. And then Tom and Paul, I mean, th- those guys just know their stuff, whether or not they have the chemistry and gel together for a second match for a positive outcome remains to be seen, but I think Odd Couple probably has the easiest path to the finals there when you look at it that way. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think that Odd Couple's... Odd Couple, it's going to be interesting though, man. I don't know. I think that they have an easier path, sure. And I think that I really love how you laid it out there. I don't know how they're going to function as a team. I just don't. Really? I, I, I don't. I just don't. And I don't know why. When, when we were talking to Jeff earlier this week, the... In Snyder, he um he didn't give me a lot of confidence in his ability when it gets into later rounds, right? And I love Jeff Snyder. I think Jeff Snyder, if you ask me my top three favorite Schmodown players of all time, he's on there. Absolutely. He's on there. I just I love that man. However, when he told me that he didn't study, mm-hmm. right? He told me that he didn't study. He said, I'm not gonna watch James Bond. So I hate that. How much of it is gamesmanship? How much of it is being himself? I think it's all himself. I don't <laughs> think that he has any gamesmanship in the movie Trippie Schmodown. I think that he tells you exactly what he means. He is not a cerebral player in the same sense that uh, Ben Bateman is, but he is a cerebral player, right? He can get in your head. But I, I'm not confident in that. And then on the, the diametrically opposed, they're really living up to their team name being the odd couple. We know Mark Andreco watched every single match to study. To prepare, to get ready. Now he still he did fall to the. And if you find the only that is right for you. He did fall to the fine, fine, young, tenderoni, Brendan the kid Meyer. But I still really think Mark Andreco is a top tier player. Are they top-tier players together? Yes, but I just don't like that Jeff isn't studying and Mark is. I feel like that's setting them up for failure. And Category 9? Who the hell knows? True. Who the hell knows? We don't. Yeah, we don't really know, but I, from what we've seen of Jader, I don't think he's... He's still the third-best player in that on that day, if you ask me. Now, when you get to the Jeff Snyder studying thing... I don't, Jeff Snyder, sure, he says he doesn't study in the way that a Ben Bateman studies or um, whoever else you want to point towards, you know, John Roca, 
uh, the way uh, Kevin Smets might prepare, or even Mark Andreco for that matter. Yeah, he's not going to study in the way that you might think, you know, flashcards, binders, you know, scrolling IMDb, um, looking up movie release dates. Yeah, he's probably not doing it that way. However, I do think that because the man covers movies for a living, that he's always researching and looking up certain things. So while it may not be directly for the Schmodown, it's helping his Schmodown game um, by circumstance of his of his profession, right? So I think if, if a new director is coming out with a movie or a, mo- a director's coming out with a new movie, maybe he might recap some of the movies that that director has done in the past who he's worked with for whatever he's reporting on, right? That stuff helps because other players have talked about I think even Rachel Cushing has uh, has said in the past, you know, her job wasn't to co- cover movies in this space. She's an editor. So players who cover movies like Dan Merle, Bibiani, Jeff Snyder, they have a leg up on it because that's their job. That's what they do all day is surround themselves with movies and researching and watching movies. So that's beneficial because that information, while, you know, you see Ocho Leonardo DiCaprio movie come out, you're also seeing him act with other players and that might fire off some other you know um, neurons in the brain and 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 bring back some other th- information so while he may not study in the traditional sense jeff snyder i still think he's absorbing information in other ways that just just so happen to benefit his on game that's my theory I, I i see what you mean by that he's he's more of a casual uh, he's a casual studier he's just it's almost inherent in him yo here's a weird thing about the boat I'm kind of good at movie release dates just because I look up movies on, on Wikipedia all the time and it always has the year that they're released. So it kind of gets ingrained in my brain. And then I'll have certain landmarks, right? Like I know, right. for instance, I know Back to the Future came out in 85. So if it's a Michael J. Fox question about a movie release dates, I use that as my landmark. Okay, this is coming before right, or yeah. after. Oh, it came after, so it's probably in this night. You know what I mean? So I'm sure that Jeff has that general awareness of all kinds of things. I just don't like that he's so adamant about, I am not watching those crappy Bond movies, because that hurts my heart. Um, <laughs> but do you think Founding Fathers, if they don't get it done, do they really need to look at their team for next year? Or is it, they are so great, like a Belichick and Tom Brady, that they need to stay together for a, a long period of time before they decide it's best to split ways, part ways? You know, it's interesting when you look at how long teams normally stay together, Teams like Founding Fathers, Odd Couple, Who's the Boss, they've been together for quite a while, longer than, than most teams typically are, uh, most teams that typically do stay together. So, yeah, they can definitely look at what other avenues are out there for them separately going going their separate ways for a new team, although we've heard a lot of talk that Dan Merle and John Rocco don't want to play with anybody else but you know, but, but with each other. So I think if they were to, let's just say, hypothetically, lose this first-round match, which would be shocking. Um, for, quite frankly, it'd be shocking. Well, I mean, yeah, just this first-rounder. Um, they take a look inside and go, what do we got to do? And it's all also very circumstantial because if it came down to a five-pointer, let's say, as a team, Founding Fathers missed one question in the second round. But let's say the witching power they were playing, you know, they went perfect the entire game. You know, they lost they lost to a, a team that went perfect as opposed to them, you know, they missed one question. Are you really going to tell me that they should break up because of that loss? I would say no. 
That's why I think it's also very circumstantial how they lose. That's that's the, the that's the key part there. If Roca or Merle just completely tanks in the first round, or just is completely useless in the second round in a way that that isn't beneficial in any way, uh, then you know it makes it harder. I think, but they will always come back to each other. They'll just have to figure things out. However, if they go on a losing streak, which would have to bleed over until next year, and who knows what that's going to look like, then then I think that becomes a really serious topic of discussion, whether or not the Founding Fathers will continue to be together. But I, I don't suspect, if they were to lose in the first round even in this match, that we got to broach that topic just yeah. based on what they've said in the this past season. Yeah, I, I don't think so either, but I just... Because I know that yeah. we've seen who's the boss's last match. Like, I know that that's a thing. Like, we're not going to see them play. That's like 99% sure. It's like 99.9 in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure there's minis, including their minds. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then so you just start looking at it. I'm talking about odd couple. I think if they don't get it done, they got to really think about it. Here's my other question. And then we'll get into the matches. People don't realize that I'm working, but it's fine. Um, that's the float calling. Finest lady of all time. Oh. I'm, I'm tempted to put her on blast, but she actually said she doesn't like when I do that, which makes me want to do it even more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> let me say, float, taping, rundown. Love you. Um, the other Aww, that's Yeah, nice. I had to put it. You know what I mean? That's so nice. Here's my other question. Then we'll get into the matches. Regarding teams, if Shazam doesn't get the job done, right? Because mm-hmm. they're going to be playing corruption. Yeah. Right? For the title. They don't get the job done here. I feel like that's a wrap, too. No. No way. Yeah. I feel like no you got I feel like you to put a bow on that bad boy, put it under the tree, and think about it at a later date. I think that it's over. No. I think they got to give it one more run. They got to give it one more run. Uh, and then if they don't get it done, then I think you start looking um, at other options because – they play really, really well together. I mean, the only this Shazam could be one of, if not the greatest team of all time, if they just get some hardware because their numbers are ridiculous. But they don't have the hardware. They don't have the hardware to show to show for anything. So, yeah, it's imperative that they beat Corruption and potentially defend again at Spectacular. But I think if they're to lose to Corruption here. Yeah, it would be a blow, but they've played so well that I just, to me, there's just no way you break up Bibbs and Brendan after if they if they lose to the corruption. They're just they've proven to play too too well together. Okay, just say you know what that's- you know what you know what stop though. I want you to hear what you're saying. You're saying two men come together and they play together so well. They're too good. Why would they ever split up? It doesn't make any sense for that to happen. And my example for you, Paul McCartney and John Lennon, right? Why the hell did they break up, right? Why? We don't know. Yoko, Yoko maybe. Where's Yoko? Who's Yoko in this? Koi Jandrew is definitely a Yoko (laughs) if I've ever seen one. (laughs) I mean, Koi Jandrew sounds like he could be related to Yoko Ono. Actually, it could be Whitney Seibold. What if Whitney Seibold says, Bibbs, come back to me. Oh, so you're saying saying Bibbs is done with the mistress. He thought this was going to be his main. He thought the tenderoni was going to be where it was at. But he said, I need something that ages like a fine, fine wine. You know, Whitney Seibold. I don't think any of that's going to happen, though. But it would be interesting. 
a guy a guy can fantasy book. Um, okay, let's talk about the matches that went down this week. Obviously, a lot of impressing sh- impressive showings, and one that was a complete nail biter. But we saw the aforementioned William the Beast Bibiani go up against the Barbarian. And he was victorious against a guy who we still say is the presumptive rookie of the year. I think right now he still is the presumptive rookie of the year. Very close, but we'll get to that when we get to that other guy's match. That's true. That's true. We'll we'll have that Um, conversation. Um, But what what were your thoughts? Was that match first this week or did I get my order mixed up? I thought that match was first. That was first. That was first. Okay, yeah. So what did you think about Bibiani's play? What did you think about the Barbarians' play? What did the sexy numbers tell you? It was it was very easy to record this match that wise because there wasn't a whole lot of it was just yep, correct, 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 correct. What? Wrong? Okay. Correct, 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 correct. Speaking of, do you remember the time I don't know what you were doing, but Frank texted me or emailed me one of the two and said, Hey, I can't input the stats for this week. Yeah. Can you do it? And I said, Yeah. And in my head I'm like, How hard could it be? And then I get this document, this 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 <laughs> spreadsheet document, okay, and Frank's like, "Be careful what you're saying here." No, I'm, and Frank's like, "It's pretty self-explanatory." It was not. It was the most complex and convoluted things. And on Excel, I started getting all kinds of numbers everywhere, and I was like, "This man must be a wizard. He has to be a wizard. He has to be a wizard to be able to read this detail, and to be able to record those while you're watching a match." I don't know how you pay attention to anything. Well, that, that's the thing. It takes I sometimes I have to watch these matches like two, maybe three times. But um, I did post actually a screenshot of what my score sheet is that I use in the Facebook group. So if you're wondering what Brad is just all confused about somehow, go ahead and look at that, and then you tell me, folks, if that's confusing because it's pretty self-explanatory. Look, it, I want really I, I, I want to know though because I got a um, after coming up next, I got a polite little message. From William the Beast Bibiani. Oh. And he was in discussions about um, this PPE, right? Yeah. Not personal protective equipment. <laughs> right, which we all need. Which we all need and have. But the PPE that Frank, the stat category, the statigory that you created, right? And I just yeah. created that word. Uh, uh, tell the people, what is PPE, again, in relation to the Schmodown? And why would William Bibiani specifically be asking me why I didn't bring this up earlier this week on Coming Up Next? Because it pertains to his perfect game, which, you know, we've, we've gone back about, well, what's the terminology? I've actually, I was like, I was thinking about it. And uh, I was like, you know, what if we just call it the double hundred game? A double hundred game. Kind of taking it off like the double nickel game when Jordan dropped 55 against the Knicks back in. Was it 95? So I was like, maybe the double 100 game. And the double 100 game basically is saying you got 100% accuracy with 100% PPE. Double 100 game. PPE is your possible points earned for a match. So if you earn 26 out of 27 points, that's not 100% of your possible points. So what Bibiani did was he scored 27 out of possible 27 points, which means there was nine possible points for him because he had the option of the bonus, eight possible points in the second round. He didn't have any chances for steals, and he got all 10 points available to him that were available to him. So 
he got 27 out of 27 points that he was asked to to answer and earn. That's what that's what your PPE rate is. It's different than your accuracy rate because your PPE rate can be lower than your accuracy rate because if you checked multiple choice in the second round, well now, let's say Bibbs checked, well, Barbarian in his case, he checked down to multiple choice a couple times. So while he had 26 possible points for the entire match, he only earned 23 of those because twice he checked multiple choice and he missed one question in the first round. So even though he missed one question, it's going to bring down his PPE a little bit more because of the multiple choice uh, that he that he opted twice in the match, if that makes any sense. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm following okay. you. I follow you. So so Bibiani, again, makes history of the movie Trivia Showdown. This, this is the first ever yeah. occurrence of this. And it's, it's very impressive. And to me, what this tells me about the Beast is he's getting better, right? I heard a story um, from, from someone I have some relation with, right? Is a, a, a far-gone affiliate of mine. And... He was saying that he found himself at this Jay-Z Rock Nation party, right, during the Grammys. And he's a big Jay fan like I am, so. And he he is talking to somebody, right? He's just, they're having a conversation, and Jay-Z's right behind him. Which, by the way, I don't know how you could have your back to Jay-Z, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and Jay-Z turns around, taps him on the shoulder, because he knows that this guy is a rap head. He knows he's a hip-hop head. He loves the bars, Right? Jay-Z taps him on the shoulder and says, hey, man, don't mean to interrupt your conversation. Which is, first of all, so fly for Jay-Z to say to somebody. <laughs> and secondly, it's like you're Jay-Z. And secondly, he says, I just want to let you know, I'm getting better. And this was a year ago, right? He's like, I'm getting better. And that's Hove the Goat. He's already the greatest of all time, right? And he said, I'm getting better. I think Bibiani, I think he's getting better. What do you say? I think, yeah, there's some truth to that. And I would attribute that to his – I think it started with teaming up with the kid. He found the love again for the game, the fun. And then he gets drafted by Koi, who, who's just a perfect fit for not not just Bibiani, but the, the team, Shazam, Brendan, and, and, and Bib. So with that kind of nucleus and also – I mean, look at the people that are in the quirky Mercs. I mean, Bibbs talked about it a lot in that match. Was it pre-match or the post-match? About it. He kind of like found his people with this faction type of thing. You know, he said he came into Schmodown looking for friends, and he and he looks like he's found like a group here that's that's really working for him. And when you are able to be, I think, mentally in a place where, well, everyone's going through things this year, obviously with the pandemic, but you have that core group of people that can help you get through things and also help you in, in something that you love, as is the Schmodown. I think it can do wonders for your mental state going into matches. Therefore, you're able to play more freely, uh, be more confident, access information um, uh, quicker or more efficient. And I think that's what we're seeing with Bibiani. Now, that's a scary uh, thing for the rest of the league, for the rest of this tournament. Whoever he's may face down the line, well, he will be starting with Liz, but after that, we'll see if there is a we'll see. Um, so, yeah, I think there is definitely something to be said for him getting better, but I think it's, it's, he's always been this good. It's just tapping that potential. Finally, it's coming out because I think everyone, I think even on backstage, they said it, uh, which congratulations debut, debut episode for Rachel Cushing on backstage this past week. What I will say is they were talking about a little late, a little late, but some applause for Rachel. <laughs> uh, 
All right. And so he might be one of the most knowledgeable people in the game, but he just doesn't have the hard enough hardware or enough wins to show for, it, even though he's you know he's still up there. Uh, he's definitely getting better in I think different areas, and and it's about tapping that knowledge and and putting it in play, implementing strategy. Although when you go like 100%, there's really hardly any type of strategy except for when you get Spinner's Choice and you like to take Mel Brooks and then you crush it. So there is that part, but for the most part. Yeah, he's getting better, and that's scary for a lot of people. What does this mean for the Barbarian going forward? I mean, this is probably his... Oh, no, this unless he's in this horror uh, free-for-all, right. this is the last time that we're seeing Barbarian. Right, so that definitely is a possibility. I, I think that we probably could see him in the horror exhibition match. I, I think I would put good money on it just for the fact that you have John and Dan getting ready for the team's tournament. Um, Ben, that's, even if he was good at horror, which I, I, he's probably, like, average, uh, his relationship with Gucci is probably on the rocks, to say the least. Um, Barbarian is... On the rocks that, stars? Nah, I don't see that happening. Um, uh, I mean, possibility, but... Nah, I don't see it. So, yeah, Barbarian's probably a good log, along with Riley, I think, from the exchange. Anyway, but for Barbarian, what I was looking at, when you look at his... His numbers this year through three matches, he's played pretty well. He's gone. He's answered forty-two out of forty-five questions delivered to him. That's ninety-three percent accuracy. And yet he's now sitting at home out out of this tournament due to a perfect game from Bibiani. Right? It's rough. The, the, he's also gone to multiple choice four times within these three matches. Now I bring that up to say we were talking about weeks ago during the Inner Geekdom tournament how he would check to multiple choice a lot in in those matches. I think, while four may not seem like a lot, like a, a big sample size, understandably so, but if I'm going to extrapolate this and add into the fact how he plays in inner geekdom, it gives me a little bit bigger size, although, yes, different divisions, I think there is another level for Barbarian to go to, and that is in the confidence department. I think when you check the multiple choice as much as he has... It seems like the answer is like right there for him because he went four. He's four for four in right. singles, multiple choice. Some of it, sure, can be circumstantial, strategy wise, what have you. But I think if he was more confident in delivering his answers, he wouldn't have to check the multiple choice these four past times, at least for singles. And it goes for some of the time in inner geekdom, right? I think if he gets that confidence of I know my answers, he's going to start looking more like Ethan Irwin in terms of second-round play, because Ethan Irwin is one of the best second-round players of all time. He has the most perfect second rounds of all time. So that's the level Barbarian needs to get to next year. There's still another level, which is scary to say because the dude only missed three questions, yet he gave up four possible points in, 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 in across his three matches. So there is improvement there. While it is, you can say, minimal, that minimal improvement could lead to a belt. And that's the little things now is what's going to take you to get to that next level to get that belt, to get that hardware. And I think that's what he's going to work on because he looks like he's in this for the long haul. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love the Barbarian. Um, this this match definitely lived up to the potential that it had. Um, I wasn't sure the result, and with Bibiani winning, I think that that means really good things for him moving on in this tournament. Let's talk about, though, from one rookie sensation 
to another. I feel like I have never... Look, the last time Frank Janish was this happy about another human being, I don't even know. It was when Halle Berry walked out of the water in that bikini and died another day. That's the last time you were this excited. But yeah, that's good, too. Oh, so well. I mean, it's a family <laughs> show. Okay. Hey. Family show. Family so, show. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, imagine my surprise when I saw Wolverine and Storm on the cover of a movie, and I was like, oh, this looks great. This yeah. looks great. Oh, and it has the bad guy from The Punisher? This is going to be a great movie. Yeah. Movie's go. not so good. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not, yeah. But no. the movie's great. The movie, yeah. It has, it has, it's, it's a couple spots there where I enjoyed the movie. Oh, yeah, man. Anyways, uh, like you said, family. Um, you haven't been this excited about somebody in a long time, in my opinion. And you're you're pretty high on Adam. The Coyote. Ow, 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 yeah. Collins. Yeah, I, I. this is another... Yeah. This is another... I just love these stories, much the way I love Jader's story, that these guys seemingly come out of nowhere. Plucked from obscurity. You know, I've said before, Jader, plucked out of the crowd in Orlando. Adam Collins was... Yes, plucked out of a fan league, so there was some tape there, but it was in the free agent frenzy. He wasn't even drafted. This was, you know, our midseason, if you will, um, that Shannon swooped him up. He was picked up on the waiver wire. Yeah. And now to see him have three matches, two TKOs, and now a knockout against Lon Harris, and the way that he's played, and look, he was on the verge of another... He was on the verge of not only a double hundred game, while I, I should put out a post because there's like different classes of double hundred game. Uh, so you like can't muddy the water. You can't muddy I the know. water. It's got to mean one thing. Yeah, but unfortunately, the showdown just isn't that cut and dry um, because you can have perfect, hunt, perfect, accurate games on multiple levels. Whether it's TKO, a KO, you only had to answer your two, you only had to answer your three, and you only had to answer your five, or had to answer your five as well. So. Different levels. Anyways, Adam Collins was on the verge of having back-to-back perfect games if only he could have answered Raiders of the Lost Dark instead of Empire of the Sun. I mean, like, the guy's that good. He crushed the second round. Um, his numbers, I mean, you think Barbarian was having a great year. You look at Adam Collins, through three matches, he's missed two questions, 42 out of 44. He's 6 for 6 on steals. He's, ans- he's earning 85% of his total available points. And not to mention this three-game win streak that he's on, it is the best three-game win streak in the entire history of the singles division because his accuracy rate stands at 95.45%, which is a couple percentage better than Ben Bateman's three-game win streak, which was the best that he set last year in that tournament run where he was on a five-game win streak. But within that, the first three games, it was the it was the best three-game win streak we had ever seen when he answered 43 out of 46 questions for 93.48% accuracy rate. Collins has eclipsed that in his three-game run right now. Can he stretch it to four, to five, to six? Who knows? But right now, he is on a torrid record pace, and the guy looks seemingly unstoppable. People do point out that he hasn't had to answer any final round questions. Do you have some reservations about that? Sure. But I don't know how much of a reservation I'm going to have towards it when it comes down to a th- two or a three. I think those were fairly, given his past play, 
he's going to be all right with those. It's the five-pointers. Now, we've seen, especially this past week, has been a rough week with five-pointers, let me tell you. Whether it's it's a great pool by Barbarian in that match, um, hell of a pool with the Scorsese and all that, or you get something like Paulo Yama, which we'll talk about, and you can go back to last week with Chance's five-pointer. I mean, just brutal. And so, can Adam get some of that luck where the five-pointers just go in his way if he gets to those scenarios? Now, he's going to have to face uh, Brendan Meyer next round. I suspect Brendan Meyer won't get TKO'd or KO'd, uh, even if Adam Collins delivers him James Bond. I think Brendan Meyer's done his homework on that category. So, I suspect we're going to see Adam Collins answer a two or three, possibly a five, this next match coming up. How can he perform in those situations? I personally, I think he's he's seething at the mouth to get his to get you know his grips on these final round questions to prove because there's somehow there's still something more to prove for Adam Collins because he's got to answer fi- final round questions because people haven't seen him do it but he's knocked out everybody he's played and he's only missed two questions thus far this year incredible. I, I don't know what else to say, Brad. I mean, I you, you said you said everything that I possibly could because you talked for like seven minutes. Um, I did. did. You said I was excited. I'm excited. You are excited, and I, and I think that you're excited for good reason. Sometimes when you see that new player, and I've, I've said this before on this show, you're like, oh, there they are. There it is, right? And I think that Adam Collins is one of those guys to where you, you just, as soon as he came in, Really, though, is the Roka win, and, and of course that's going to get a lot of attention because you're beating a legend, but you beat a legend. You know, you didn't you didn't win, you beat him. You know what I mean? TKO'd him. Yeah, and it was the same thing with this match. He's like, he didn't only win, he beat him, right? There's, there's, there's like a difference, right? I mean, because even like in fighting, when you see guys go the distance, they win the fight, right? But when they stop it, they're like, oh, that boy got beat up. <laughs> Right, 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 right. So there's a difference between winning and winning against somebody and beating somebody. And Adam Collins has been beating everybody that he's played against. Will that streak continue? I can only assume yes. I I don't know. I mean, who is it? He's matched up against two in next week. I mean, next. Uh, oh yeah, Brendan Meyer. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, Brendan loses that one. Yeah, he's losing that one. Yeah, I mean, and Brendan's playing great, but I, he's. He's only just barely begun to play at a level that, if you look at last match, barely begun to play at a level that could rival what Adam Collins has shown through at least these past two matches, and even that first match against Gallagher. So, and you also have to think, what kind of confidence is now within Adam Collins? I just TKO'd Roca. I've knocked out Lon Harris. Um, I've a fine young Tinderoni is not... Not 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 going to slow me down, but it could. Uh, he doesn't need to be overconfident here. He doesn't need to be overconfident. I mean, let me ask you this then: What did you think of him when he had, on those steals against Lon? Uh, correction, it's. Yeah, what did like you it. think of that? I was a what fan. Of that? I'm a fan, yeah. but you know, you know, I love that petty stuff. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> correction, it's actually yeah. I love that. I love it, and you know what? He's finding himself in the sense of his persona, right? Yeah. And he's finding it out really quickly. And the quicker that he can do that, the better it's going to be for his long-term success. I will be interested to see deception oh, yeah. and how and how they operate. And if, if, if they're going to continue this same success that he has had. Because as of right now, since he hasn't lost, I would just say that marginally he's the better player between the two of them. But, you know, we don't know yet. They're so early on in their careers, it's hard to say one is better than the other. 
But just statistically speaking, but I would say, yeah, statistically speaking, he's the better one. So when he's got the pressure of carrying a team, it's going to be interesting to see how he carries that through all and out. But beating Lon Harris, the delinquent, that's great. That's big. That's huge. Um, what I want to say though is he he reminds me a lot of Paulo Yama in some ways. Just coming out of the fan leagues or, or the other leagues as 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 they're preferred to be called, and setting the league on fire almost from day one. He reminds me of that. Like, wow, you're beating this guy. You beat this guy. Oh, my God. He's going to have a title shot. Whoa, what if he beats Dan Merle? Uh, like, kind of like Kevin Smets did in Energy Geekdom. Like Kevin Smets. Very similar. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's interesting to see his trajectory. And speaking of, though, one of those aforementioned guys, let's talk about primetime. Paul Oyama took on Jeff the in Schneider Snyder. And he played phenomenally. He played yeah. Excellently, he played expertly. He played like the Paul Oyama who won the singles championship against Dan Merle. Jeff Snyder played really good, you know, but not that that nine seven coming out of round one. I mm-hmm. thought that was going to be the downfall. I said two points is a lot of points against Paul Oyama. That's hard to come back from. We saw what the rounds two did. It, it was going to come down to round three, no matter what. Jeff did enough. He did it. He did his job, and he put the ball back in Paulo Yama's court. All Paul had to do, he said, I see the second, the seconds counting down on the clock. I'm going to hit this buzzer beater right quick. Swish. Kobe. I just got to hit this shot. Can I come in the clutch? And then they asked him, one of the most difficult five-pointers I can yeah. remember ever. And I'm sure there are players listening to me right now who said, oh, I knew that answer. I knew it. I knew it from right where they started. That doesn't make it any less hard. That was a hard, just because you knew it doesn't mean it was hard. That was a hard question. It was one of those that when it was read made me go, say what? (laughs) Damn. You got to earn your wins now, boy. You got to earn your wins now, boy. And um, it, it was named two of the gangs from the Gangs of New York film, right? Yeah. And he and he names one correctly, the uh I think it was like the white rabbits or something. The dead rabbits. The dead rabbits, and then the five points. Oh, is that what he said? Yeah. Or five. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. How ironic <laughs> that it was the five points that he did him in on his five pointer. <laughs> hey, yeah. Right. Hey, good for you putting that together. I didn't even realize that. It's right there in front of you. You know what I mean? If only it was the look. right answer, it would have made it a lot more. You know. Oh, it, yeah. It would have been. Yeah. <laughs> It's just it's just a, a tragic uh, sense of irony yeah. for for Paulo Yama, but um, man, and when and here's the thing, when he hits when he answers that and he misses it, I thought he got it right because I said those are too specific to not yeah. be correct, but I was wrong. They were incorrect, and you see Jeff Snyder's face. It wasn't filled with jubilation. It wasn't even filled with relief. It was filled with utter shock about the question, about Paul's missing the question, and more importantly, about his win. When I when I look at this match, it's an incredible match. Uh, also, the promo was great from from Nerd Chronic. Um, yeah, we got to do like, well, let's promo of the week. We got to come up with that one. But when you look at Jeff Snyder's play. You know, I was listening to him on Coming Up Next, and he was talking about how it kind of feels like he can't get in players' 
uh, minds, you know, in their heads, and he's kind of out of his element. And to him, you know, that he feels like that's a disadvantage for him. When I look at how he's played this year, and you take away even, and it's this kind of, you could look at this either way, but you look at how he played against Ethan Irwin in studio. He had him beat until he didn't, right? This year, uh, virtually, he's playing really well. I think, while Jeff Snyder says that he prefers to try and get in his opponent's head, I think he only. I think he realizes he can only do that with certain players. I don't think he can really do that with Ethan Irwin. He might try it on a younger player like Oyama if they were in studio, but even then, he still immensely respects what Paul Oyama brings to the table. Uh, probably even more so now, even in defeat after this match. But what I'm getting at is, Jeff Snyder is sitting in a room just by himself, no one to play to, no one to try and play these games. I mean, he can can try but it's not really going to come across the way that he would probably prefer i think by him not doing that stuff you're seeing more elevated play from snyder because he he's his mind isn't somewhere else in terms of i'm trying to get i'm going to do this i'm going to dress like that i'm going to do all this crazy stuff exactly i think he's a more quote-unquote calmer player right now within this setting and it's benefiting him. Now, look, you could say he got some luck in terms of Paul Yama got a really tough five. He got a pretty decent five for his own. And now he's advancing. Sure. Because I'll also say this this Jeff Snyder run is is reminding me of his Patriots run. Look, wasn't the best, but really good and got breaks. And what did he do when he got the breaks? He took advantage of them. He took advantage of them. That's what made the Patriots so great. Any break that went their way, they took advantage, capitalized, and they and they won. That's what Jeff is doing right now. He got a he got a break against Paul Oyama. He won. He hit his five. He won. Now he's going on to the next player against Mark Riley, which I think the way things are going for him, I think he has a good shot at winning that. This could be, you know, you guys talked about Snyder Sans. This could be, I think it is the start of a Snyder Sans, to tell you the truth, because with the way he's playing. And if he's taking advantage of these little breaks that go your way, because, like I said, I say this all the time, any run needs some luck, and you just got to take advantage of it. That's what he's been doing. How long can he ride it out? I don't know, but this is a lot of fun to see Jeff winning again in this manner, especially if it's on his own. That's even more exciting because that's something he hasn't really done. Yeah, he got to a title shot, but he wasn't really playing the greatest and didn't play the greatest in that match, as they both you know, have talked about him and Oyama. Right now, he's playing really great. And he's winning. And he's getting some breaks. And he's taking advantage of them. That makes him dangerous. That's what makes him dangerous going forward. So, yeah, I, 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 I agree. Going on. I agree, man. And you know, it's, a, it's a rough break for Paul. It's a rough end to his, yeah. um, you know, well, his single season. Um, but he's going to bounce back, man. That guy's going to yeah. be in a title picture. Well, he's just playing too he's going to bounce back. I think he has bounced back. He's bounced back, but I'm saying he's gonna, he'll, he'll recover from this loss, and sure. he'll, he'll, he'll be fine his, his next and match. If you look at what how Ethan Irwin came into the league, stormed the league, and won the title, right? Paul Yama stormed the league, came into the, you know, when he came to the league, won the title. Follow-up year for Irwin, what happened? Not good. He was 1-2, but he had great play. He just went up against Dan Merle and, 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 like, and just... Did, couldn't pull out the wins. This year, what happened to Paul Oyama after he lost the belt? You know, lost a couple, won one. He's played pretty good in teams, but now loses a tough one here. He's one and two on the year, but his accuracy rate 
is almost 87%. He's 40 out of 46, and he's 1 in 2. So that's similar to what Ethan Irwin had in his in his sophomore year. Look at Ethan Irwin in his third year. He's 4 and 1. He played for a title. Yeah, it was a sudden death, but and he's also Ethan Irwin's answering 85%. We'll get to that match, obviously. But Ethan Irwin, he's 4 and 1. I think you could see something similar again with Paul Oyama next year. You know, he could go on this if, if we're looking at patterns of players of re- reaching the mountaintop, falling back down, coming back up again, Paul Oyama could look towards Ethan Irwin and go, look, hey, I could have, while I played great this year in terms of accuracy and all that, and strategy as well, I can still come back and be at the mountaintop at least if it's, it happens to be next year, go on a 4-1-1 run or, you know, whatever it's going to be. So it's a, That's an interesting point. It's a really interesting yeah. point. Um, you know, in music, when you you have your debut album, right? And a lot of times your debut album is really great. You have your whole life to write it. It's your most inspired work. And then you know what? When you release that second album, a lot of times it doesn't live up to the expectations. A lot of times maybe it's a little bit, uh, uh, it's not what I wanted. You know what they call that? They call that the sophomore slump. Yeah. And that's a really interesting theory that you have. The, the parallels there between Ethan Irwin and Paulo Yama are they still great? Sure. Is it what they had in their rookie year? No, it's not. Can they recover? 100%. Let's see. So let's see what Paul Oyama does in his junior year. And you're talking about Ethan being in his. Ethan, <laughs> yeah. this really, we talk about a Snyder Sans. It's been Ethan Sans, an Irwin Sans, right? Because he's been playing phenomenally, um, as I say about everybody, but he's been playing really, really good. <laughs> and yeah. uh, you said 85% accuracy rating? Yeah, after this match, he's up at 85%. That's pretty good. I'd, I'd take that. I would take that any <laughs> yeah. day of the week. And um, and for him, going up against Z-Man, obviously he was highly favored. Mm-hmm. Obviously he was expected to pull out the win. I like Ethan a lot. I got to be honest, I was rooting for Eric Zipper just because his, his joy and happiness for beating Paul Preston. And boy, does he let you know that he beat Paul Preston. <laughs> boy, does he like to know that he, I beat Paul Preston, all right? Not only that, but he TKO'd him. If I, if oh, I'm he thinking. TKO'd him, if you remember what he said. <laughs> boy, does he like to tell you that. But for good reason. He pulled out a great win against Paul, uh, Paul Preston. And now going up against Ethan Irwin, that, that's a pretty big task. Not saying that Paul isn't, because Paul is, but Ethan Irwin, that's a former singles champion, right? That's the real boy there. So that was a that was a real challenge. I expected Ethan to win. Ethan did win. I liked that Ethan won for the for the betterment of the tournament and and the level of play that we can see. Because here's the thing, and 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 I hope Eric doesn't take this the wrong way or anybody listening. But you know, Eric Zipper coming into that, he was like a seven eight seed, right? And sometimes those seven eight seeds they find their way past the first round. They'll do it. They'll do an upset, and then they meet the really good team. Right in that second round, or maybe you know he's like a six seed, and he meets a really good team in that second round. Oh, Mamacita, do we have a problem now? And the thing is, if if he were to get past Ethan, he's squeaking out these victories, and 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 it's just going to get that much harder. And then it kind of gives it away when we get there to the end. Like you know, yeah. typically when yeah. you're going to see a one versus an eight, the one's going to win nine times out of ten. They're going to win. So for Ethan winning, it makes things more interesting as far as you're not sure the outcomes. Eric, though, I thought gave a good effort. You know, definitely an E for effort. He 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 came to play. 
but Ethan Irwin is just too damn good. Yeah, when when you look at what Zip did here, I mean, he played a great match. He played a really great match. Um, I really have to tip my hat to him because he had a rough first round. He missed a couple that I that he feels like you know he should have had, or at least one he should have had the 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 Willy Wonka one where he mixed it up. Um, so he could have had five points. Wouldn't have made much of a difference in the end, but I think you know for stat wise, sure. Uh, but Ethan Irwin he missed two, you know, and he hasn't missed. He hasn't scored fewer than seven points in over ten matches. This is the first time in over ten matches that he's that he's scored six points. It's either been seven or eight. So the man is, you know, obviously just indestructible when it comes to first round, although he only has two perfect first rounds in his entire career, which is kind of insane when you think about it. However, Zip, in that second round, he was able to come back, and he got a little bit of luck with opponent's choice, gave him inner geekdom, and he got one a one-point steal off of Ethan Irwin. Now, you might look at that and say, well, not really a productive opponent's choice. Ethan Irwin still came out with six points. But you got to remember who you're playing. It's Ethan Irwin. The guy doesn't give up steals. He has the most perfect second rounds in, in showdown history. The guy uh, has one of the most highest accuracy rates just in the second round. So players don't get many opportunities to steal off of Ethan Irwin. And when Ethan Irwin has only scored six points in the first round, and you get a point off of him in the second round, that's more than you can ask for. So... While it may hurt to look back on this match for Eric Zipper and realize he kind of squandered an opportunity here, he still played really well. He's played a great strategic game. Um, he's, he had the mental fortitude to bounce back from a four-point first round to put up seven points of his own on Action Adventure, which happened to be his second spin again. So, And then he gets you know a pretty decent five-pointer that I think was... was he could have grabbed that one, but it still tough five-pointer there i mean uh, if it's a brad pitt type of question it's um i remember some comments saying i don't know if it's debatable but yet it was um still could have grabbed it but he played a great game but like you said ethan Irwin, though i mean it, it's gonna take your best effort and more to beat this guy nine times out of ten and today ethan or uh, eric zipper he had one of his best efforts ever but he needed just a little bit more. And unfortunately, it didn't happen for him. But man, let me tell you, Eric Zipper, do not sleep on Eric Zipper anymore. I'm looking at his career numbers. He's 2-2 two and two right now, but his accuracy rate is 80%. 80% through four matches. He's 3 of 3 on steals, which means he doesn't get very many opportunities to steal. So he's playing decent competition, um, or at least the competition is it's, it's playing pretty well against him, at the very least, at least in the second round, for to only have three steal opportunities. Um, which is nice, but hey, he doesn't get a lot of opportunities, and he capitalizes on capitalizes on them when he does get them. So going into next year, you know, Zip was I think a fourth round pick, you know, for the dungeon, <laughs> no less. Uh, if he's not retained, if he's not retained by some faction out there, whether it's dungeon or somebody else, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go in the first round because he is. A very valuable player. He is a very sneaky triple threat to your faction. He can play in Energeekdom. Obviously, he can play in singles and would be a, a huge benefit to any A-list player out there looking for a nice teammate. 
and Eric Zipper can do that. So he can play all three divisions, and he – it's just – I love his story. It's it's sad that it's coming to an end right now. Yeah, I know because it feels like he was just heating up. You know what I mean? Yeah. He feels like he was yeah. just heating up, and then now it's – yeah. They got it. They got to call an end to it for Eric the Z Man Zipper. But like I said, and like you said, he's going to be a highly sought after player next season. And um, should be. I, I, here's the thing: I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a smart idea uh, for um, for uh, Eric to say I'm gonna chill with Kaiser. I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know. But at the same time, this growth has come from the tutelage under Kaiser. Now it could, it could be. Could be like he's taking me as far as I can go. Sometimes that happens with teams a lot. You know, you get a coach in there. They've taken me as far as I can go. But now I need we need to go to the next step. Look at the Golden State Warriors. They dump Mark Jackson. They get Steve Kerr, and now they're winning chips. It's like, could that be the case? But it's interesting you bring up teams and factions. After the week that was Frank Janish, where do we sit right now in the faction rankings, and are you going to budge in your prediction of who's going to walk away with the chip come December? What did I say? Who's going to win? <laughs> I think because you said swag, didn't you? I think that's that sounds right. I think I want corruption to win it, but I think swag is going to do it. But the Finstock Exchange will make it interesting. But I think swag might ultimately pull it out. Because Yeah, I think I said it's going to come down to the inner geekdom match at Spectacular. That's what I said. Between Chance and Chandru. And that's looking more and more probable as this tournament marches on. And, yeah, the teams can throw another wrench in Teams there. could throw everything off. Founding fathers because, in there, don't forget. Because corruption, Adam Collins took out a swag member in Lon Harris. Jeff Snyder also did those other two factions a favor by taking out Paul Oyama. So now swag only has Liz. Corruption only has Adam Collins. Finstock Exchange only has Riley left. Going up against a red-hot Jeff Snyder. And then the Mercs, they got Bibbs going up against Liz. And the Mercs, while I don't think it's probable, they will make it interesting. And Bibbs could put a, make it a lot more interesting by defeating Liz. So when you look at the standings right now, right now. Right now. The Finstock exchange, exchange with 47 points in first place. Corruption jumps over Swag. They have 46 points. Swag, because they just lost all this week, they still remain at 45 points. And the Mercs right there at fourth place with 32 points. Just, you know, yeah, just, just far enough. Out of range, but not quite. They're, just, they're really in that limbo situation where it's hard for me to say, yeah, they can make up uh, a 15-point difference here. To, you know, but, like, I don't know how many weeks they got to make up that many points because... Even if Riley, let's say, loses to Snyder, I still think Finding Fathers are going to win a tournament match. So that's another three points there. Uh, so you're looking at 50 right there. The Mercs, I mean, Bibbs has got to win next week. Really, if they have a shot, I think. Uh, like it, It's going to go there. And then also Brendan Meyer. I forgot. He's going up against Adam Collins, who's... That's a tough match. If those guys both win, ooh, we got a whole different kind of race coming. But man, it's going to be tough. It's going to be close. For some reason now, my gut is saying that what it said from the get-go, the Finstock Exchange is going to find a way to end with you know, the number one spot. I really just yeah. I just feel like it's going to happen. I just feel like it's going to happen. Um, as many times as we stray away and say, oh, no, it could be swag. Or, oh, no, it could be corruption. Oh, no, it could be this. But remember, at first, we are like, maybe it's going to be the den. Yeah, that really played out well. <laughs> yeah. um, 
And they have been the one constant really throughout the season. Yes, Swag has been pretty consistent. Yeah, I'd say Swag and Finstock Swag, exchange, swag and fin stock exchange have been consistent. But Finstock Exchange has really occupied that number one spot for the majority of the time for, for good reason. And uh, I don't think they're going to go down without a fight. Frank Janish, why don't you tell the people what we got next week, though? Here we go. We had the Savage 16, but now we're down to the Extreme 8. <laughs> yeah. Uh, spared no expense on those sound effects, people. So, <laughs> next week, we're starting off with Liz Shannon Miller versus William Bibiani. Mm. Um, we have just a newfound, uh, um, not talent, but perhaps a newfound superstar in Liz Shannon Miller going against... A red hot William Bibiani who's coming off the first ever what I'm calling a class one double hundred game. Hundred that's what I'm calling it. That's what I'm calling it, Brad. What do you want class me to do? one double hundred game? Class one. Class one Can you send me a formula sheet? You know like when you used to take standardized tests in school and they sit they gave you the formula sheet Look, before the test? We gotta come up with something else, but still. That's, that's, that's all I got right now. But, but then, then all, but the Lishan and Miller, William Bibiani match will be released early for Patreon members Monday and Tuesday. Remember, we're, we're done, done with four, four matches, matches a week, Brad. Pop the champagne, throw the confetti. No more four. Dude, I love the showdown. I love the showdown, guys. But covering four matches for the past two months, it's been a lot. Oh, we get four, four, four matches a week for two months. Whew. And all you other after shows, you know what I'm talking about. So we're going back to two matches a week. First one is Liz Shannon Miller, William Bigandel, drop publicly Thursday on the channel. And then Friday, the day after, Jeff Snyder. And Mark Riley, they will do battle. And then the following week, Adam Collins, Brendan Meyer, that will be a Patreon early release dropping on the 8th publicly on YouTube. That's going to be a great match. And then that Friday match, Tom, or as Kate, or a better Kate would say, Tom, is playing Ethan Irwin for a right to go to the semifinal to potentially face either Jeff Snyder or Mark Riley. If we got a Jeff Snyder-Ethan Irwin rematch in a semifinal of the tournament, given the way their first match went this year, holy hell, I think we're in for fireworks with that one. That would be, could I get a great Scott? Great Scott! <laughs> there it is. There it is. So, whew, we, we got a good couple of two weeks coming up. We got we got some great weeks, man. And then what's the fi- what are the final four called? The fatal four. The fatal four is upon us after the elite eight. So we'll see what happens well, next week. Extreme eight. Sorry. sorry. The extreme <laughs> eight. eight. I'm sorry. Sorry. Sorry about that. To timeout. Foul on the plate. Jump ball. Do not pass. Go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. But we will see it go down all next week. I'm excited for it. Frankie numbers, Janish. Sexy numbers from a sexy player. Love those numbers. Sexy numbers. I love those numbers. I'm feeling really good about those. I'm feeling those numbers. Absolutely. Why don't you let the people know where they can find you and follow you? (laughs) Just your face. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you can follow me on on, uh, on (laughs) Twitter and Instagram at FrankieJ29. And also, hey, check out Quick Clips channel. Still putting up stuff over there. Still doing it. Swag, swag, drip, there. drip. I did do a uh, super cut of the Bibbs Barbarian match, which is which was kind of fun to put together. So. Swag, swag, drip, drip. Yeah, you coming with them clips. Hey! Hey! 
look what I did Except there. You Mike, find- they're all winners. Yeah. And, you know, they lost this week. So. And you can find me on all social media at Brad Gilmore. Check out the Hall of Fame with myself and Booker T. Season 7 of Back to the Future, the podcast coming up. It's going to start October 21st. And uh, a lot else going down. So... Oh my god, you're my dream boat, for sure. Forgot to hit it. You For Frank Janish, my name is Brad Gilmore, the boat. This is the Schmodown Rundown! And we'll see you next week. Get everything for your next roofing project at Menards. Your roof is the first line of defense against the elements. Owens Corning Shingles are designed to offer long-lasting performance while providing ultimate protection. They have a limited lifetime warranty and up to a 130-mile-per-hour wind warranty. Choose from over 40 options designed to protect your home for years to come. Say big on Shingles at Menards. And don't forget to check out our weekly ad on Menards.com. Save-